coming up on Behind the Woman. I didn't know I had grown up in a house that had domestic violence. I had just thought culturally that was the way things happen. And so for me, the way I dealt with it is I became less of a kid and more of an adult. I've been with Beer House close to 20 years now. For other people, if I ever see someone who their spirit is just so low, I just have to be there. This program is brought to you by the members of WCNY. Thank you. National Grid is proud to support Behind the Woman because of the energy it provides to our community. Welcome to Behind the Woman. I am your host, Dr. Johanna Rogers. On tonight's episode, we journey with Jody D'Augustine. She is a financial professional, mother, and community lover. She has made the world of finance more accessible for many in this community. Let's meet Jody. My name is Jody D'Augustine, and I'm a mom, a financial professional, and I have a huge philanthropic heart. I grew up here in the village of North Syracuse. When I was younger, I wanted to be a nun or possibly go into the military. I think they both involve structure, and I grew up with not a lot of that. I didn't know I had grown up in a house that was had domestic violence. I had just thought culturally that was the way things happened. were loud, they fought, they hit, they, it was just my culture. I think when you're a kid and you see those things, you just feel so desperate because there's nothing you can do. It's all completely out of your control. But I just knew that I, I'd always hoped there was something I could do. So maybe that's where it all comes from. I've been with Beer House close to 20 years now to consistently be supporting an organization that sole focus is to help anyone who's experiencing domestic or sexual violence in their life. It's such an honor for me. The one most dear to me was serving the people who had experienced sexual assault as a sexual assault volunteer advocate and being out in the hospitals with someone who just experienced that trauma. Being that liaison when they had just experienced something that totally took every piece of control away from them in that moment and letting them know that they were in control now and I was here to be whatever that looked like their need was. They are my heart. I bleed for that organization. I do serve other boards and, and they also have a, a piece of me. But this one is the one where I've grown up, where I've learned a lot about our community and myself. And I am forever grateful and in their debt for everything that they have given to me. All through that time as I was learning about the organization and, and serving others, 
was also serving my soul. It was, it was helping me to heal. I, I didn't know it. Intellectually, it wasn't there. But when I got there, the work had been done. And when I realized it, it became a time to start to talk about it. And that's where that grateful spirit comes from for me. Syracuse is special to me because it's, it's my roots. Syracuse has always, it was where they came from the boat. The boat came here. The boat came to Syracuse. I'm third and fourth generation off those boats and this is my roots. And as silly as that sounds, I can't even imagine moving on from this, this place. I, I just feel like there's always a way to get through something, to move forward on something, to get something done. God forbid when I was young, if you ever told me I couldn't do something. I, I, I had a high school guidance counselor who told me that wasn't college material. And I said, I'll show you. And I have three degrees now, right? That was my motivator for myself. For other people, if I ever see someone who their spirit is just so low and it's too heavy, I don't know how I recognize it, but I just have to be there. I kind of almost think of it like an epitaph, right? Each and every woman that will be part of this series now and in the future will set the tone for each and every woman that comes after us. If it brings anyone any hope, any aspirational drive, any inspiration, it will be paid forward because women through our power are gonna empower others. And the women behind, behind the women are opening doors that I don't even think we can fathom yet. I just hope that someday when I've moved on from this earth that I did enough. I just remember walking into your office at the bank and being like, I think we need to talk. <laughs> um, a friend of mine had told me about, I think, a consolidation loan or something. And this friend lives out of the country, right? And calls him to tell me, well, that's what, like, the American banking system is built off of. Like, you can walk into a bank and, like, talk to them. And it kind of took me back, like, you don't know what you're talking about. But I had to, maybe it's true, and they explained, and I was just like, oh, well, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And at this point, I'm, you know, however old. And you have, have made it comfortable for me to walk into a banking institution and feel comfortable enough to talk about my vulnerabilities and how, and ask for help. And I think that that in my, the next phase of my life is going to drastically change my possibilities, right? And so inviting you here today, I'm just like, I need you to talk about with me, like why it is that you do this work, why it's important and kind of share like how you got here. Mm -hmm.
Well, I, I, you know, and I'm so glad you did that, first of all, because it made this connection with you and I that I think has, um, you know, evolved into this wonderful opportunity, not just for ourselves, but for the community. And, and I think for me, it just always came from, um, you know, I've always had this strong sense of independence and specifically around finances, um, because I grew up not having any thing, any kind of stability, um, and always felt very insecure um, financially with the, in my family environment. I, you know, my, my, I lived in a, in a two-family home on the north side growing up um, when I was very young with immigrant grandparents, great-grandparents actually, who were from Italy and didn't speak English and were laborers and, you know, did whatever it took to put food on the table because we ate in Italian families. We kind of all took care of each other together, lived together mm -hmm. and, and ate together. And, and there were a lot of times that so much of life felt very insecure financially, food, um, a roof over our heads, just that stability. Mm -hmm. And I can recall growing up as we my great-grandparents had passed on and my parents moved on, um, also not having much more than their high school education, not having, um, you know, they worked in different retail environments, lost their jobs often, um, you know, just never having that security and always wondering what maybe am I going to have to eat for dinner tonight or what am I maybe not going to be able to show up at school in that everyone else is in and, and have to deal with whatever that was mm -hmm. um, from kids picking and making fun of you. So there was this strong sense of urgency, I guess, financially to learn as much as I could whenever I would come upon a little bit of money, a birthday gift and a birthday card or, or a Christmas gift, I would, I would put it away. Mm. I, would, I would hoard it away and just save it for some day when I was going to need it or I could help out. I think when that happens to you very young, it forms a lot of who you are mm. and how you move through life. Um, you know, we, we didn't have Christmas gifts under the tree, but my mom, we weren't allowed to have sugar cereal. She would buy us a sugar box of cereal and wrap it, and that was our Christmas gift. Mm. Um, or she would take a new Bible that at church they were giving out, and she would wrap it, and that was a Christmas gift. So mm. you, and, and you didn't at the time always feel like that was necessarily a, a suffering moment. You appreciated everything you had, yeah. um, but you knew it wasn't comfortable. It didn't often feel safe. Um, so I think I can recall a, a very distinct moment when my parents were finally, um, things were just too hard for them and they were divorcing and, and you know, um, and it was a relief for my, my brother and I because there was a lot of domestic violence in the home. Um, and that was a, a great relief, oddly enough, but them separate was better than them together. together. Right. And, um, and having this moment of, okay, now I have to take care of my brother, my younger sibling, and how am I going to do that? Right. And, and going out to, to get my own jobs in the community at 10, 12 years old to babysit, to, mm -hmm. to um, you know, crochet and mm -hmm. sell that to neighbors mm -hmm. and just do different things. And with that money, I could buy my brother and I extra little things if he needed sneakers for gym class or if he needed, um, you know, uh, he wanted to go to a sleepover and wanted to have something to bring along that was wearable. So those were independent things for me. So financially, it came to a spot where I thought, well, I'm helping people. Maybe I could help people in another way. When women of color identify somebody as an ally, it is because they have demonstrated time and time again that they are committed to addressing the barriers put up against us. Jody has done that in so many ways. She says it has a lot to do with her upbringing on the North Side and the experiences as a child. So we journeyed there with her and her own daughter, Kennedy.
Right now we are at my childhood home in the village of North Syracuse. I was here for just about 30 years, just about 30 years. So most pretty much grade school all the way up into adulthood. My husband and I, um, were, when we were married, we lived in this home to start our lives and it's just meant an awful lot to me. This is my lovely daughter. Kennedy. Hi. <laughs> My oldest, oldest of two. My parents, they started their life together and struggled. They had different jobs um, until they really got a little bit older and found things and skills that worked well for them. But the in and out of those jobs, um, not always knowing where money was going to be coming from, um, it caused a lot of stress. Ultimately, they did divorce and turned out that that um, caused them to do a lot of healing and a lot of work on themselves. I'm aware of the challenges my mom faced uh, growing up. And, you know, it's very humbling to sit, especially in this uh, condition, like hear her recount what her life was like growing up at my age and just kind of putting myself in her place. So overcoming challenges, I think when you're a kid and growing up, is not something you think about. And when you're dealing with things that are that kids shouldn't be dealing with, um, such as, you know, parents arguing, parents fighting, you're just thinking about your own safety. And so for me, the way I dealt with it is I probably became less of a kid and more of an adult over time and it was because you're in situations where you feel like you don't have a lot of control so you try to find pieces of time and space where you can have it and for me and maybe my brother would tell you to his detriment I became like a little mom to him. I honestly think I don't know how I would have handled it or come through it but it's been very interesting and I know it takes a lot of like courage and strength for her to share that with us. My childhood was awesome. My mom and dad worked really hard to provide me and my sister with anything and everything we could have needed to enjoy just growing up and being kids. I've definitely learned a lot of lessons from my mom throughout the years and one of the most important being how to handle stressful situations with grace and she's always been a role model for me to let me know if a door slams in your face knock till it opens again or find a window to get in through because if you really want it you can have it it's yours growing up there were times where i did feel in need of money or like i needed more than I guess what I was uh, just able to be given by my parents. Uh, definitely did not feel that need before about 2008 when my mom decided to switch jobs and she had taken the year to take a step back and invest in herself and start pursuing her passions. Um, and not that we didn't have any money anymore, but the kind of money we had and how we spent it changed. So as opposed to kind of wanting something 
and you'd almost speak it into existence and it'd be within your hands. We didn't have money for things like that anymore. It was always, we're gonna meet the baseline necessities and anything extra would be something that you either saved for or obtained by your own means. So when I was old enough, I took the opportunity to get a job and you know, just having my needs met and being able to kind of have that taste of financial independence to where I could, if I wanted something, go and get it myself was really, I think, important for me to have that kind of building block for the confidence to spend my money and also to kind of understand what it means to earn money and how then that breaks down into spending it. The way I grew up, and the, the, the different role models I have. Every mentor I've had in my life has been a little piece of who I am as a mom. I was very close in particular to my grandmother, who I called Graham, my dad's mother. She just always understood me. She was a very strong woman. I never saw my grandmother one day um, growing up feel sorry for herself. And I just always saw that as a source of strength. Some of the lessons my mom has taught me about being financially independent is definitely uh, knowing where your money's going and knowing how you spend it. It almost gives me more freedom because I don't feel, you know, I guess proverbially afraid to check my bank account now. Independence overall, I don't worry about either of them. Financially, they will always have someone they can trust. I think through what I've done over my career, they know how to walk through that door, they know how to ask for help, and they also know if that person isn't helping them, they know what they deserve and how to go find it. I definitely think the lessons my mom has really gifted me in the sense of financial literacy and independence is really important, especially as a woman when I think about you know a lot of stuff when it comes to finances you can be taken advantage of and I think it's so important as a woman to say I'm confident going into somewhere asking for help and not feeling like I can be taken for a ride or I have to just agree it's about having the confidence to sit there and say I know where my money's going I know where my money comes from I know how I want to spend it and I just need you to point me in the right direction. I don't need you to tell me how I have to do it. Ready? I'm ready. <laughs> oh. I'm not sure those are the words. <laughs> you know, listening to Kennedy talk about some of the life lessons that have resonated for her in her, you know, beginning of her life, essentially, um, it's, it's interesting. You don't often get to sit down and have such direct conversations and know where your kids are in, in their head all the time. And, um, and you often wonder as a parent, have you gifted them um, the things that they need to know? Those, have you given them the tools um, that they can draw from and leverage as young adults and into adulthood? And um, I'm hearing that I've got a daughter who um, heard me more than I knew, um, was observant more than I knew. And um, I am very, very excited for her future, and I'm very proud of um, how you are going to pass on the confidence, the courage, the security, um, and the love to your future family.
you know, as much as you have to trust your parents from the word go. I've been lucky enough that something so pivotal to my life as money and as, you know, my financial literacy and legacy has been so obtainable and so, I want to say, accessible through the things that you've done for me. Come here. <laughs> so proud of you. <laughs> I think back to my mom, who described coming up very similarly. And I think about her and how she is often like, uh, like she just knows every deal or how to um, advocate for herself or like couponing and just all these things that I probably took for granted mm -hmm. because I didn't have to worry in the same way right. that she did right. growing up. But, it, you know, she does accounting like, all of that really, really well. Yeah. Whereas, because I've had more of a cushion than she did, I don't think I developed those skills in the same way. It's interesting. I would say my own daughters probably feel the same probably, way. Right. right. They'll hear my stories, but the the way it will resonate for them is so Just much so different. different. Right. Um, and even sharing these um, memories and going back with my mom, right. um, it's painful for her. It's painful for her to hear how we felt going through, um, you know, as we grew up, how, how just all those emotions were for us. Right. Because as a family, she just had her own okay. things and couldn't worry about us my or help mom us. gets very upset at me when I borrow things from people. Yes. Because to her, you know, they had to sometimes borrow a cup of sugar. Mm -hmm. Or she had to borrow something to make for her brothers or sisters. And she felt like that's an embarrassing. And I don't want people to think that you don't have enough. Right, right. Right. But right. she's also the woman that would say that to me. But whenever I grew out of clothes, there were two, um, my friends growing up next door who um, were just in a different position than I was and their parents weren't working. Whenever I would grow out of things, she'd be, get them all together, put them in a the bag, and she'd be like, now walk these next door to Ebony and Tiffany. Right. And right. I'd be like, I don't want to take them clothes on. That's embarrassing, right? And I was just like, oh, it's going to be weird. That's right. what I'm thinking. Right. But to her, you know, thinking back on it, I think she really knew and understood what it felt to not have. And, and I think that you've hit on it right there, right? The, the advocacy to become your own self-advocate will translate into other people. To just know where people's heart is, giving people the opportunity to engage with you and be conversational and just, you feel their heart in that moment. And then you just say, what can I do? It's not even, you know, we've shared things where I'm like, have you thought about this, right? Mm -hmm. But it's my way of saying to you, I see it in you. I see you. I see that this is your next step, or at least it's close on the path. Right. And, and, and how can I help? And there might not be a way for me to help, but I'm going to do my best if there is a way to support you and help you. And you're great at that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you're great at that. You're great at that. So for women that might be listening who are trying to figure out how to make ends meet, or women in many different ways, what is coming from that space now working in a banking institution, doing things targeting women mm -hmm. who aspire to see more in their lives, what piece of advice would you give them? 
I would, my, my, the, I think the thing that is the most important for me is, you know, I'm honored every day that someone decides to walk in the door. To don't be intimidated by that door or the people you see through the glass inside, but to come in and remember we don't know everyone's story that you are giving, this moment is about yourself and the opportunity you need to now move forward. Be in your moment, trust that someone else will help before they give you that opportunity to build it because it's a huge leap of faith. But when you do, more often than not, you will find someone on the other end that does want to support and engage and assist. And if you did walk through the door and someone didn't receive you in that way, then you didn't walk through that right, right. door yet. Right. Right. So keep doing Walking it. Find your courage and connect and it will happen. But you, I think that's the courage. That's the courage it takes is yeah. to, you, you, you haven't turned to dust yet. And right. if you've come from a place that has been very hard and each time you picked yourself up, the hole seemed deeper and darker. But the fact is, as you picked yourself up and you're about to grab that handle to walk through the next door, Keep going. Um, keep going. Have that courage because there's somebody there that does want to support and does want to help. Well, thank you for being on the other side of that door. Thank you. For me. Thank I you. <laughs> Jody D'Augustine shows us what allyship looks like. She shows how she's taken the experiences of her childhood to womanhood to consistently work on behalf of those who cannot be at the table themselves. Jody, thank you for your work. And viewers, we thank you for watching Behind the Woman, and we will see you next week. Next week on Behind the Woman. I went to schools that weren't the greatest schools, but had really great teachers. So that helped to sort of facilitate some of the success that I've been able to have. I have several personal missions and goals in, li in life to be able to say that I'm not just one thing, I'm multiple things. It's a celebration of womanhood. It's a celebration of life, which is very special. This program is brought to you by the members of WCNY. Thank you. VIP Structures, 45 years of integrated solutions offering architecture, engineering, construction, and development. VIP, creating sustainable structures designed and built to enrich neighborhoods and strengthen communities. Experience the creative, collaborative difference at VIP. National Grid is proud to support Behind the Woman because of the energy it provides to our community.